Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. All right, all right, all right. Well, welcome, uh, 1015 crew. You guys look great today. Glad to have everybody in the house. I always tell North Rock people, listen, we're, we're really thrilled that you're here because if you weren't, man, it would really stink for us on the stage. But we're really glad that you're here, and I'm thrilled to have your pastor, uh, Pastor Danny, at North Rock today. And I'm hearing great reports about things that are happening over there uh, on the north side of town. And uh, looking forward to today to continuing this series, chapter, and verse. Um, I, I, I love your pastor and, and pastor's wife, Rachel. Um, these, these folks are dear friends of, of, of mine and Alicia's. And I've known Danny, Pastor Danny, since college. Like, we've, we go way, way, way back. So when I was 18 years old, I, I met him, and that was a really long time ago. And uh, it's kind of divine providence that we wound up in the same city. I'm pastoring together, but I'm thrilled to be here. We, 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 uh, we, we travel together for these people. You know, we kind of always say it, but there are people that you call that your friend, you know. And then there are these people that, you know, you'll, you'll go eat a meal with. And, and, and then there are people that you're willing to, like, go on a trip with. And uh, those, those are generally different people. Like, there's somebody I might go to Whataburger with, but, but I don't want to get on a plane and go anywhere with you. Uh, no, no. Let's just go have some Starbucks. Uh, <clears throat> but but these these are the kind of people that that we travel with and do life with and I love your pastor and I love Rachel. I love everything that's happening in this crazy place. I mean it's it's amazing what God is doing. The land down the road and and steel in building about to be erected. It's exciting what is going on at Life Point Church and uh, I'm glad to just be playing a little little part of it today as I continue this series. Um, a few years ago my wife took our boys, my wife and I took our boys to, um, to Cozumel, Mexico, um, to stay for a few days. Um, it wasn't like a cruise ship that stopped there, which is kind of intriguing because if you've ever taken a cruise from anywhere ever, it always stops in Cozumel. I don't know how that happens, but you could take an Alaskan cruise, somehow they're going to stop in Cozumel. <laughs> It's the weirdest thing. But this was not a cruise stop. This was actually a, we just took our, our family there and stayed in a little little resort there on, on the ocean. And, and, and we snorkeled every day. There was water right outside, the ocean right outside. And you could get in beautiful water to snorkel, a reef along the wall and, uh, or the bank, I should say. And, and so we would, we would walk down a little ways and get in and we would just snorkel day after day after day. Loved it. Um, and, and one afternoon by, by the pool at this place, there were some guys that were there in the resort, they were there to scuba dive, and, um, and I heard them over, uh, or overheard them talking about what they were going to do that night, which was a night snorkel, and um, they had done it the night before, and they were excited about what they'd seen, they were going to go back the next night, and when I heard them talking about a night snorkel, it intrigued me, like I felt, I felt the Spirit quickening me, and I, I just sensed that God was drawing me forward into 
an experience that I had never experienced before. And, and so I said, hey, guys, so you guys, you, you do this nice snorkel every night, you know, on, on your trip? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. You see things, you see things at night that, that you never, ever see during the day. And that's, a, that's an entire sermon in and of itself that I'm not going to preach today. But he said, if you've never done it, you need to try it. And I said, well, do you, I don't have like equipment. I don't have like a light. I got snorkel equipment, but I don't have like a light to put on my head. And, and he said, no, we got, we got extra lights. If you want to come, come on. And I'm like, well, I got my boys are here with me. They're, they're 11 and 8 years old. Could, could they come as well? And sure, man, bring them on. So, so we made the plans, decided where we were going to meet. And that, that evening, that evening, uh, we were sitting at dinner. And before we were going out to meet those guys, because we, we, we were meeting them like late. I mean, it was like 9 p.m. we were meeting them. So we, we went to dinner, and, and it got dark while we were eating dinner. We were sitting right beside the ocean. And, and um, I started feeling a little bit weird because you could, you, could, you could hear the ocean, but you couldn't see the ocean now. And it's one thing to hear the ocean and see the ocean, but it's another thing to hear it, and you can't see it. And uh, we, were, we were trying to eat. i got to be honest with you, I, I didn't enjoy my meal that much that night. I didn't eat a whole lot that night. And at some point during the meal, I'm picking at my food, and I ask my boys, so this old night snorkel thing, um, you don't really, you, you really want to follow through with that? I mean, we don't have to do that. I mean, we, we don't have to. Like, Daddy, yeah, we want to do it. We definitely want to do it. I'm like, what did I do this for? And we finish eating, and, and we go upstairs to the, to the room where we grab our snorkel gear, and we go into the room, it's nice and cozy and air-conditioned and the bed's there and it's dark outside and I'm thinking it's just so comfortable in here. Uh, why would we want to go get wet out in you know, the ocean again? And I, I, I go for it again. I ask the boys, so boys, you sure? I mean, you want to, Britain, do you want to do this? Yeah, yeah, Dad. Well, Mason, you, uh, you, listen, you don't, we don't have to do this. No, we want to do it. We want to do it, Dad. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm trying to talk them out of what I talked them into. And so we grab our gear, we go downstairs. And what's weird is we actually had to go out to, to the road in front of the resort. And we had to walk like a quarter of a mile or so, maybe even a little bit further up to where we were meeting the guys. And it's, it's, it's pitch dark. There are no street lights. And we're walking down a dark road carrying our snorkel gear in Mexico with, with the ocean on our, off to our left just... And the more we walked, the more fear began to rise up in me. And finally, even my, my 11-year-old was, I'm dead, dead, should, should, we, should we really be doing this? And, of course, by now we were kind of off into it. And I'm like, we're doing it. We're good. We're, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. And we finally made it down to where we were meeting the guys. And, and we got into the water. They gave me the little headlight. I was literally thinking up till the very moment I got into the water, I shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. I'm terrified. We shouldn't be doing this. We got into the water, though. And, and I told the 11-year-old, Jack, you're on your own. His name's not Jack. That was just a figure of speech. His name is Mason. Mason, you're on your own. Um, the current was pretty strong that night. I, I had my, my eight-year-old by the wrist, like a death grip on his wrist, and I was just hoping for the best for the 11-year-old. Um, but it's like, you know, you have a light, and you're on your own. And, and uh, so we, 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 we went off with the guys. And, and long story short, at the end of the day, we, we saw some incredible things. Like I did, I saw some things that night in the ocean that I, I'd never seen before and that I actually have never seen again. 
again since then, some crazy things that we saw that night. And of course, it wound up being the highlight of the trip and absolutely one of, one of the greatest highlights I've ever had in, in, in the ocean on any vacation. It was an incredibly cool experience that I was terrified to step off into. But once we made the step, once we did it, it was it was amazing. I've been preaching at North Rock for the past uh, six or eight months around this idea of moving forward in, in our life, in our church and in our life. And the truth is, every individual in this room, every individual in this room, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, even if you're, you're, you're a brand new believer or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long, long time or maybe you're not even sure about all this Jesus stuff, every single one of us have a forward that God is calling us into. Every single one of us. Job chapter 17, verse number 9 uh, Job says, the righteous shall move onward and forward. Everybody say forward. The righteous shall move forward. Those with pure hearts shall become stronger and stronger. Philippians chapter 3, Paul said to the church in Philippi, he said, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward. He's beckoning us onward. Onward to Jesus. He's beckoning us. I wish you could get a picture of God out in front of you beckoning you forward. Beckoning you onward in your, in your relationship with him, in your journey with him, in your, in your calling, in your, in your ministry, in your marriage, in your life. I wish you could see that God has a forward that he is calling you into. God does not force forward in your life. I love how Paul, how, how the message paraphrase says it here. God is beckoning us onward. He's calling you, come on, come on, you can do this. And then Paul completes this and says, I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. Today we're going to look at um, a story out of the book of Genesis in this, in this next installment of chapter and verse. We're going to look at the end of the chapter of Genesis 11 and we're going to bleed over into the beginning of Genesis chapter 12. And this is the story of, of Abram. Abram, whose name was ultimately changed to Abraham. This is actually the very beginning of this story. Um, Abraham ultimately became kind of the father of our faith, a major hero of the faith. God did some incredible things with his life. Um, as a matter of fact, God introduced himself or God labeled himself when he was talking to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. God said, Tell them, I am the God of Abraham. Like God called himself, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abraham became this, this huge hero of faith in, in the Old Testament and, and still today. But he was married to a lady named Sarai, and Sarai could not bear children, could not have children. They, they'd gotten very old. Sarah's like 90. Abraham's 100. They, they've not been able to have children. And in Genesis 22, God gives Abraham this crazy, crazy promise. So e even though his wife was barren, he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Like your descendants are going to be, they're going to be like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. Everybody say sand and stars. That's what you're going to have. That's what your descendants are going to look like, Abraham. But, but so, so Abraham had been promised this crazy, crazy, crazy future. 
He had been promised this crazy sand and stars dream, this forward place that God was calling him into. But long before any of that ever took place, something happened early in his life that almost caused him to miss the sand and the stars that he was being called to. This is where we pick the story up in Genesis chapter 11, Genesis 11, verse number 27. And the story starts talking about Abraham's dad, Terah. Watch what it says. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram. Abram's name ultimately was changed to Abraham. So when we say Abram or Abraham, we're talking about the same person. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So Abram, Abram had two brothers, Nahor and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, watch this, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. So Haran died at a young age and uh, while his dad Terah was, was still alive. A few verses later in verse number 31, God called Terah to a place called Canaan and Terah took his son Abram his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and together they set out from the Ur of Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Anytime you see Canaan in the scripture, it's referencing a place of promise, a land of promise, some promise that God is calling his people into. And so God called Terah to leave, Terah and Abram, his entire family, to leave Ur of Chaldeans and to go to Canaan. But the end of verse 31 says, but when they came to Haran... They settled there. They settled there. Verse 32 says, Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. So Terah was headed to Canaan. That was the place of promise. But he settled in Haran and that's where he died. We could say that he died where he settled. It's quite possible, I think likely even, that, that there was a sentimental attachment for Terah to a town that bore the same name of his son whom had died. So he lingered in this town, perhaps thinking that he'd just stay for a little while, maybe just a few days, remembering his son, a time of you know memorial, if you will, but he wound up staying there. He settled. Canaan was the plan, but he settled in Haran, and he ultimately died there. He lingered in that loss of his son. He settled there in his pain, and he ultimately died there. I'm going to give you four big ideas today, if you're taking notes, from this story about some things that we have to do if we are going to move forward into the sand and the stars that God has for every single one of us. If we're going to move forward in our life, number one, we're going to have to manage our memories. We're going to have to manage our memories. About 20 years ago, memories are powerful. About 20 years ago, uh, I was in Mississippi where I grew up, and I was back visiting family, and my brother worked at a place called Brian Foods. He worked, uh, he, he worked in the finance side of, of this company. They had a big plant in, in West Point, Mississippi. Brian Foods was, was called the Flavor of the South back in the day, and they sold meat. Some of you might have heard of Brian Foods, or I don't know if they still sell it labeled as Brian because I know they got bought by Sara Lee. Anyway, they sold bacon and different all, all sorts of packaged meats, okay? And uh, my brother said while we were visiting, hey, would you all like to come tour the plant, you know, just to see? And I'm like, dude, I'm all about that. I love to see how things are made, so I would love to come tour the plant. And 
And so we, Alicia and I went down, our boys weren't even born yet, we went down to the plant to, to tour it, and, and like, y'all, we saw things that were like unspeakable. I can't even begin to share everything that we saw. We saw everything from the, the pigs, the hogs being brought through chutes, very much alive, until they were in packages being put in boxes onto trucks delivered to grocery stores. We saw the how thing, the how process. And, um, and, and so, I mean, there were all sorts of things that we saw, different rooms. We'd go into a room, and there would just be carcasses hanging all over the room. And, and uh, we'd go into a room, and there would be an assembly line, and people sitting there with really sharp knives, and they would reach into the carcass and cut one thing out over and over and over and over again. I would not want to make that person angry. Uh, but, but we saw, all sorts, of, we saw all, just th- all sorts of things. We went into one room, and I remember walking into it. We walked into, and we walked in. Uh, we were up very high when we came into the door, so we looked down on this room. And there was a huge, there were huge vats in the room, like three massive, like, vats. I don't know how else to say it. Like, as big as this, this entire stage. And tall, 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 big old silver vats. And there were these things that were churning, these massive, like, things churning the goo that was inside of those vats. And, and this particular room, when we walked into it, as soon as we walked through the door, like, we were slapped in the face with this pungent, rancid odor, like the, 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 the nastiest smell. It's an unexplainable smell, okay? I can't even say it smelled like because you ain't never smelled this smell. <laughs> like it, you've never smelled anything like this. But it was so rancid and pungent. It was like, oh, my God, what room is this? And uh, my brother says, um, this is the baloney room. This is, this is where they make the baloney. Thank God. What is in that? What is like, what's in it? Eh, all sorts of things. All sorts of things. A lot of things that they don't use for anything else. And, and, uh, and, and I, we, we got to get out of here. We, we couldn't stay there long. The, the, the smell was so bad. We got out of there. It was like, <gasps> here's the thing. I had up to this point in my life had loved bologna my entire life. Like, I grew up eating bologna, like fried bologna. Mom would throw it, like, on the skillet. Anybody ever had that before and blackened different sides of it? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, would, I loved it. Yeah. Jonathan, you want a ham sandwich? No, ma'am, I want a bologna sandwich. You, you, you want peanut butter and jelly? No, ma'am, I want a bologna sandwich. I chose bologna. That was 20 years ago. I have never, ever put a piece of bologna in my mouth in 20 years. Like one time somebody had it out, all right, and I, I smelled the smell, like, that's the smell, that's it, that's it, I mean, I, that, 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 that's, the, that's the smell. It's, it's amazing how that memory literally caused me to stop living my life in a certain way. And, and to this day, that memory, I can still smell that room right now. This is how memories work. They, they, bring, back, they bring back crazy emotions. There, there tends to be emotion attached to, to memories. You'll, you'll hear a song, and suddenly there'll be a tear, right? Yeah, that, that song, like the house that built me, and you, you just want to go back to that house that you grew up in. You, you hear a song, or, or you, 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 you smell a smell, or you, or you have a taste, my sister was here a few, a few weeks ago, and, and we, 
went to a random place and there was a taste of a burger. She said, you have to taste this burger. It's going to remind you of something. And it did. It took me back to my childhood, to a little restaurant that we used to go to. It's crazy how tastes or smells or, or maybe, you're, maybe you're funneling through social media one day and you see a picture of a face and suddenly <laughs> there's an emotion attached to it, right? And what was a good day kind of turned into a bad day. Memories can take you away from the present and put you in an emotionally charged past where you're, where you're angry all over again, where you're feeling guilt all over again about something that happened that you can do nothing about. And for, for many of us, most of our significant memory baggage is due to a relationship issue that we had in our past. Someone who walked out on you. Someone you thought loved you only to discover that they did not. Someone who you thought was loyal to you only to discover that they were not. Someone that you trusted and you thought they had your back only to discover one day that they had actually been stabbing you in the back. And when you think about that person or you see that person on social media or something reminds you of that person, you get, you get angry all over again and the bitterness begins to well up all over again. Pain from that loss, from that broken moment in your past. What can happen is memory baggage can become a barrier between where you are now and where God wants to take you. Relationship baggage, pain from a broken relationship. We can carry that pain into new seasons, into new relationships in our life, and they'll sabotage a brand new relationship. They'll sabotage some a relationship between someone God is wanting to bring into your life, to bring healing into your life, so that he can take you into your sand and stars, so that he can take you into your purpose, into your calling. If we don't manage those memories, they can sabotage everything God is wanting to do. This is why Paul said in Philippians 3, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. There are some things that we need to remember about our past, and there are some things that we need to let go of. Now, the truth is, it's not as easy as just forgetting, is it? We don't have the capacity to just forget. So what Paul is really saying is, you got to manage those memories. Like, you got to keep those things under control. And Paul knew a lot about what he was talking about, because this is a dude who had done some rotten things in his past. Paul, who wrote this, was a man who had stood by as Christians were murdered, who had, who had arrested murders and, uh, Christians and had them beaten just because they were following Jesus. And then after he had his, his experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he completely changed his perspective and he, and he started actually preaching for Jesus. But he still had to deal with the pain and the regret and the guilt. Can you imagine as he's trying to preach the gospel? He starts seeing faces of Christians that he had murdered or allowed to be murdered right in front of him. All sorts of memory baggage that he had to manage. And he said, we got to forget the. We can't linger in our losses. We can't linger in that moment when we were, when we were hurt. We've got to let that stuff go. We've got to manage those memories so that we can strain toward what is ahead so that I can press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, straining and pressing. If we are not careful, you and I both, everybody in this room, we have some painful memories that we can tend to rehash and relive, have those fantasy conversations. You know what I'm talking about? Where you say what you wish you would have said. 
You know what I'm saying? You're in the car, just, I should have said, if I had, or you're in the shower, I should have told them, if I had it to do over, but, but, but it's not, you're not helping anything. You're not going to have that conversation. You're just reliving that, that pain again and again and again, and the enemy's loving it. He's loving it. Because the enemy is diabolical as it relates to pain from your past. He wasn't, he wasn't in it. That person that hurt you, that season where you were really, really damaged, the enemy wasn't in it for just that momentary pain. But he, he, if he has his way, he wants you to carry that pain with you for the rest of your life. He wants you to carry that pain into new relationships, into new seasons, because he knows as long as you are harboring that bitterness and that anger and you're reliving that stuff over and over and over and over again, you'll never get to the sand and stars that God wants for you. Tara settled in his place of pain. He settled there. Canaan was the promise. That's where he was headed, but he settled in his place of pain. He lingered in his loss, and he never attained where God wanted to take him. Number two, if you're taking notes, it takes me to number two. Simply this, say no to settling. Just say no to settling. I'm not going to settle. Forward people do not settle. They pioneer. Forward people are not afraid to go where they have never gone before. They might feel some fear. I'm not sure I should go get in the ocean right now. It's really dark. But they push through the pain anyway. They push right through the fear. Honestly, honestly, I'm afraid that one of the challenges with our current generation is an unwillingness to press through pain. To, 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 to press through some challenges. Like I, I, wanna, I want the promotion, but I don't want to deal with the curriculum that I have to deal with in order to get the promotion. I just want the promotion. I, I want to be at the top of the mountain, but I don't want to actually have to climb the mountain. And, and, and so we look for an easier out, an easier route. But forward people say, no, no, I, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to press through the pain. Whatever curriculum I have to deal with, I want that promotion. Whatever I have to go through, God, I want to do it. Let me ask you something. In what area of your life, and I want everybody to kind of look introspectively here, in what area of your life have you chosen to settle? What area of your life have you been willing to just settle? Maybe it's uh, an addiction that that you've just decided this is just who I am. I don't think I'll ever be able to break this. Maybe it's a calling that at one point you might have pursued, but, you know, something happened and now you're not pursuing it anymore. And so you're like, whatever, I don't think that can, I just, maybe I just had had too much pizza that night when I thought God was calling me. I, I don't know. Where have you chosen to settle? Is, is it ministry? Is it an anointing? Is it in personal growth? Where have you placed a period where God placed a comma? What pain in your life have you allowed to domesticate your faith. Like you used to have crazy faith. You used to dream big dreams. You had crazy faith. But, but you know, after that happened, after that incident took place, I mean, I still have faith. It's just tame faith. It's, it's domesticated faith now. I want you to hear me this morning at LifePoint Church. You don't have to live in your sin. You don't have to live in your addiction. You don't have to settle for mediocrity. You don't have to settle for your broke brokenness. You don't have to settle. Here's, here's the reality, though. Here's the reality. God will let you live 
on whatever level your faith settles for. He'll let you live on whatever level you choose to settle for. I mean, Jesus approached a man one day who had been an invalid for 38 years. Like, he couldn't walk. He was bedridden for 38 years. And Jesus bent down and asked him, do you want to be made whole? Well, Jesus, why would you ask somebody who's been an invalid for 38 years if they want to be made whole? Of course they do. But Jesus knew that a lot of people are quite comfortable in their current condition. Like they've settled there. A lot of people almost prefer their present position rather than to move forward. He knew that. And the bottom line is it's up to us. We have to refuse to settle. It's up to us to choose not to settle. Last year we were on a, on a little vacation with my, with my boys and we were in Colorado. My wife and I and the boys and, and uh, they're older, they're teenagers and we were doing you know things that boys like to do. Not, not just boys, but things that boys do like to do. We were doing you know, whitewater rafting and four-wheeling and and we did this, this, this high ropes course. I don't know if some of you have ever done a high ropes course, but I have a picture here. This is like a high ropes course on stinking steroids. Like I've never seen a high ropes course like this before. I've done, when I was a, a student pastor, I used to do a little high ropes course, you know, with the kids and stuff, but nothing like this. And, and like, this was so bad, like no one else was there. I circled my, my wife and my two boys way off in the distance, but like nobody else was there. It was just the three of us and, and a little guy that was with us. But, you know, she... Weighed 95 pounds, soaking wet, about a 22-year-old girl, and, and I'm not so sure that she could have really, you know, saved us if something tragic happened. But I was sitting there thinking, I'm not sure we should be doing this. I mean, I, I have anxiety as it relates to heights anyway. I'm not typically afraid of water, just, you know, the ocean after dark is different, so don't judge me there. But I am afraid of heights, okay? I, I don't like getting up high on things and 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 so but 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 we did it and you know the boys were immediately plowing off and this 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 high ropes course was the coolest thing because it was like if you've ever been skiing they have like a ski run that's a, a, a bunny like a bunny slope for people who are beginners or people like me. Then they have like a, a green run and blues and then they have blacks and then they have like black diamonds and then double black diamonds. This 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 ropes course was laid out the same way. So they had things that I knew I was never going to do uh, that the boys, you know, they were all about. And Alicia is a little more gung-ho about stuff like this than me, too. Um, so we went on the bunny slopes, and then we, or the bunny runs, and then we went on the, the little runs, the, the green. Actually, went, we did like two or three different greens. And by the time we got through with that third one, I was like, we only had like 20 minutes left in the day. And I was like, okay, whew, that was fun. I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to do any anymore. I'm just going to sit down here. And, and about the time I, I turn around, and, and my wife is already, she started up another pole. She's going to do another run. She, gonna, she wanted to tackle one of those blues. And, and I'm like, babe, why are you doing, I mean, I guess I have to follow you. I mean, I have to protect her. I don't want anything to happen to her. So I, I was perfectly willing to settle after what I had accomplished, but not Alicia. And so I... I followed her, and, and it was an exhilarating experience. It, re it, really was, it really was very cool. The truth is she was not going to settle. Even if I was willing to, she's like, well, you can sit down there and drink your water. I'm going, I'm going, to, an, I'm going to another level. Tara settled in Haran, and Abram settled with him. Where's, where's Abram? He's in Haran. Where's Abram supposed to be? He's supposed to be in Canaan. Listen to me. Listen to me this morning. If you hang out with settlers, you're going to settle. And you might say, no, 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 no. Those, they don't affect me. They don't affect me. Wrong. 
They do affect you. You are who you hang with. You're like, I know I tell my 15-year-old that all the time. And, and, and I do. I tell my 15-year-old that. You are who you hang out with, but it's not just for 15-year-olds, y'all. That's for 25-year-olds, 35-year-olds, 50-year-olds. You are who you hang with. You might say they're not going to affect me. Ultimately, you hear me. You'll take on the mindset of a settler. You'll adopt the reasoning of a settler, the conversation of a settler. I've had people ask me before at, 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 at North Rock, um, Pastor, when is the church going to be big enough for you? Like, when, when, when are we going to stop pushing for more people? When are we going to stop pushing for more? <laughs> when I hear that question, I'm like, I, I don't even have a context for the question. So I, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from, why you would ask a question like that. The only answer that I can think to come up with is, I guess, when um, everybody in the city is saved, Everybody in the region is saved. There are no more marriages that need to be healed. There, nobody else needs to be baptized. Nobody else needs to have the broken pieces of their life picked up and put back together. When Jesus completely runs this town, maybe, you know, that's when we'll have enough people coming to church. But, 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 but I, I know what they're really saying whenever they ask me that question. What they're really saying is, can't we just settle here like, can't, can't we just, and isn't this enough? Like, like we're already bigger than, 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 than most churches, and, and it already gets a little bit tight sometimes in the kids' space, and it can be difficult to find a seat in certain services. The parking lot can be a little bit crazy, and there are people in that building I don't even know what their name is. Can't we just settle here? Settlers say, when is it enough? But forward people are thinking, there's more, there's more. There are more lives to be changed. There are more people that need to be saved. There are more people that need to be baptized. There are more broken lives that need to be healed. There are more marriages that need to be put back together. There are more addicts that need to find freedom. Forward people are like, yes. I actually had to look for a seat in church yesterday. Forward people are like, yes, I almost couldn't find anywhere to park today. Forward people are like, I don't know anybody in this room, but Jesus knows them, and Jesus knows what they're dealing with and what they're going through in their life, and he wants to in, in, in invade and work in their heart and in their mind. We cannot adopt the mentality of settlers. We cannot hang out with settlers. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1, as we move into the next chapter. It's the last verse of chapter 11. Terah died where he settled. And in, in chapter 12, verse number 1, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country. Leave your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. you got to desert your deterrents. Those people, those things that are holding you back, you got to get rid of that stuff. Hey, Abram, sand and stars guy. I mean, I know God has promised you some amazing, amazing things. But you're going to have to leave the place where you have settled. 
You're going to have to get out of that comfortable spot. You're going to have to let go of some things. You're going to have to leave some, some places behind. You might have to leave some people behind. And hear me in this room, LifePoint, as God draws you forward into the sand and stars that he has for your life, and, and what God is calling you into is going to look different than, than what he's calling me into, but he's calling every one of us forward. But in order for us to get into that forward, there are going to be some things that you need to leave behind. You might have to leave a mindset behind. You might have to leave some negativity behind. You might have to leave a, a, a little attitude issue behind. And, and even if you say, but, you know, this is just how I was raised. This is just who I am. This is why I act like this. Stop using that as an excuse. You might need to leave that behind. If you're going to see the forward, the sand and stars, there's going to be some things that, and some places that God's going to call you out of, some people that God is going to call you away from, those people that are holding you back. You know those people that as you try to move forward into God's plan and purpose, they just keep pulling you back into old ways of thinking, into old habits, into old activities that are hindering you from the forward that God is calling you into. And it might be, I've been friends with them since I was, you know, 12 years old. It doesn't matter how long you've been friends with them. If they have been holding you back, you might need to sever or at least create some distance in that relationship. Abram, leave your native country. Leave your relative. I'm calling you forward. And in order to get forward, you're going to have to leave that place where you have settled. You're going to have to leave that stuff behind. You might have to leave some disappointments behind, like I said earlier. It's okay for you to have disappointments. It's just not okay for you to live in those. You cannot allow disappointments to dictate your destiny. The enemy wants you to cause disappointments to dictate where you go and what you do. Mm -mm. You can let them propel you to your destiny, but don't allow them to dictate you, to hold you back from what God wants to do. Well, well the reason that I don't get involved at Life Point is because I had a bad church experience in some other church, and I just I'm, I don't want it to happen again. No one is discounting that you had a bad church experience. Maybe making fun a little bit, but I'm not discounting that. But you can't allow something to happen to you at another church to cause you to say, I, I just don't want to do what God is calling you into. Well, the reason I don't tithe is because I was watching TV and a TV preacher one time. Blah, 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 and, and using excuses and allowing some type of pain or some things that something that you were disappointed in to dictate what you're doing now. Instead of obeying God's word and, and living out his word and, and giving and serving and, and loving others. We allow disappointments to hinder us and hold us back. How long are you going to allow that disappointment to dictate what you're doing today? Today. Desert your deterrence. Those things that are holding you back, get rid of it. Sever that relationship. So God called Abram forward, and in verse number four, four I love this, the very next verse God didn't, have to, God, God didn't have to convince him. He didn't have to make this, make a big play to try to explain to him why he needed to leave. Abram went in verse number four. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. He just got up and he left. He didn't even know where he was going. 
He just knew God was calling him forward. He knew he had to get out of where he was. He had to leave where he was. He went. Number four, if you're taking notes, make bold moves. Make bold moves. Bold moves. Listen, God does not stir us to small ambitions. They're always big. They're always bold. When God said go, Abram gathered his family together and he went. He went. And of course, Abram ultimately, he became that hero of faith. He did inhabit that, that place of, of promise. And I want to challenge you today as I close to make a bold move. Don't just dream big. Don't just see big, but do big. Go big. Make a bold move. You might need to make a bold move today. Like throughout the sermon, whatever it is that you have sensed God calling you into, calling you forward to, make a decision today. Take, take a step today toward that. Make plans today to attend Growth Track next week so that you can get connected. Man, with Easter services coming up, so many opportunities for new people to serve. This is a great season for you to join this dream team here and start serving others. Make a bold move. Like today, put it on the calendar. I'm going to Growth Track next week, next weekend. I'm going I'm to build my Sunday around Growth Track. Make a bold move. Maybe God's calling you to tithe, to start, to start giving. Start giving of uh, 10%. Like, 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 we're, like we're encouraged, like we're told to scripturally. Maybe that's a bold move you need to take. Test God and see. That's what the book of Malachi says. Just test me and see when you tithe, when you bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out so many blessings that you won't be able to contain. Maybe you need to test. Today, I'm going to start testing God. Make a bold move. Maybe you need to join a small group. Maybe God's been kind of tugging on your heart, beckoning you forward to join a small group. Maybe, maybe an even bolder move for you is to lead a small group. What? What? Lead a small group? Mm-hmm. I'm not qualified. None of us are. I don't stand here because I'm qualified. <laughs> I'm not qualified. Everything I am, everything I have is because of Him. Make a bold move. Maybe, maybe you need to, maybe it's somebody God wants you to invite to church. Again, you've got, you've got five Easter services coming up here in a few weeks. It invites in your chair. Don't leave these in the chair. We don't need them. We know when Easter is. We know when all the services are. These are for you to take with you to give to someone. I have people serving. There's, there's a dude playing bass at North Rock this weekend. This weekend at my church or, or, or uh, over on 1604. The reason he's there, his, his family is serving all over the building. The reason they are, they're major players is because they were invited to North Rock six years ago on Easter. On Palm Sunday afternoon, they were invited to come to North Rock Church. And so Easter six years ago was their first time ever in the building. And God has completely changed their life. Somebody's counting on you. Somebody's counting on you to invite them. God wants you to make a bold move today. And bring somebody with you. Invite, invite, invite. Maybe it's baptism for you. Maybe your bold move is just to, to be baptized today. Maybe your bold move is to surrender your life to Jesus. Whatever it might be, I challenge you to take that step today. Close your eyes all over the building. Let me, let me pray for you.
Lord Jesus, thank you for calling us forward. Thank you for giving us promises and, and, and direction and, and a bright future. Thank you for the promises of sand and stars. God, I pray that you would challenge us, Lord, that you would give us, that you would give us boldness, that you would give us courage, audacity, Lord, to step out in faith and to step into where you are calling us to, Lord, to desert our deterrence, to, to manage our memories, Lord Jesus, not, to not linger in our losses, Lord Jesus, or to make a bold, bold move. Lord, give us the courage to make a bold move today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. As I continue to pray with nobody looking around but all heads bowed and eyes closed, hey, if you're in the building and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, today is your day. This is your moment. Right here, this moment is for you. You know if you're not in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have never surrendered your life to him. Or maybe at some point in your life you were walking with him, but you're not anymore, and you need to take that step of faith. You need to recommit your life to him. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of surrender. And I invite everybody in this room uh, who, who needs to surrender your life to Jesus. I want you to pray this along with me. I want to see who's included in this prayer. So if you don't mind, all heads bowed, eyes closed, right where you're seated. If you'd say, Jonathan, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Will you throw your hand in the air right now and let me see it? Come on, hold it high. That's incredible, y'all. Hold them high and leave them there if you don't mind. Beautiful. I'm starting over today. I'm making a fresh start. See you over here. Thank you. Hold them high. Fabulous, y'all. Starting over today. Incredible. All right, put your hands down. I want to ask everybody in this room to pray this prayer along with me in your own words. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. On this amazing Sunday, I'm starting over and I'm following you. I invite you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sins, Lord, and make me clean. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you gave your life for me and that you rose from the grave. And on this amazing weekend, I am starting over and I'm following you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said amen. Come on, a big hand for those who just took that step of faith. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.